Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 43, recorded on December 4th, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Uh, I'm recovering from a cold, so my voice is a little rough, but uh, I think I can give it a go. Uh, we'll do the market update uh, and outlook, and then I've got a few interesting Bitcoin-related news articles to go over, and we'll finish up with the future of Bitcoin and fiat, which is uh, a blog post that I did this week, uh, so hopefully you find it interesting. Let's jump right in. Stocks cut much of their earlier losses Friday to finish mixed while maintaining weekly gains after the monthly U.S. jobs report showed The Federal Reserve's aggressive interest rate increases have not yet cooled the strong labor market. Stocks fell sharply after the data revealed non-farm payrolls rose by a greater than expected 263,000. And the unemployment rate held steady at 3.7% in November. But investors were able to shake off the report, leaning on Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's midweek remarks that suggested a slower pace of rate hikes. The dollar and U.S. Treasury yields also reversed from initial gains to finish lower. For the week, the three major stock market indexes finished higher, with the Nasdaq rising 2.1%, the S&P adding 1.1%, and the Dow Jones edging up by 0.2%. Looking ahead, the energy market will be in focus next week in the wake of an OPEC Plus meeting that begins over the weekend. Investors will react to the group's update on production plans as well as factor in the impact of European Union sanctions on the purchases of Russia's seaborne crude exports and a potential G7 price cap on Russian oil. Global central banks will also be in the spotlight with the Reserve Bank of Australia and the Bank of Canada both anticipated to raise interest rates, although FOMC members in the U.S. will be quiet as part of a blackout period ahead of the December 14th and 15th meeting. In one of the last FedSpeak updates, New York President John Williams said he thinks the FOMC has a ways to go on raising rates. Meanwhile, economists think Friday's strong jobs report is likely to generate more calls for a 75-point hike from some Fed officials at the December meeting. Fed watchers will also key on the upcoming producer price index report next week as an inflation gauge. Outside the focus on oil and interest rates, key earnings reports for the week include updates from AutoZone, Costco, Lululemon. A busy week of corporate events includes key investor meetings at Southwest Airlines, Norfolk Southern, and Glencore, as well as a wave of tech and media companies appearing at the UBS Global TMT conference. Okay, getting into the Bitcoin news then. Uh, First one here is from Crypto News. This was posted um, today. Gemini Exchange seeks to retrieve $900 million from crypto lender Genesis. Cryptocurrency exchange Gemini is trying to recover the $900 million it had paid in loan to crypto broker Genesis and its parent company Digital Currency Group. 
According to a Financial Times report, the Winklevoss Twins crypto exchange is seeking to retrieve the funds after Genesis was wrong-footed by last month's failure of Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX crypto platform. Barry Silbert, founder of DCG, told shareholders in a letter last month that the company owes $575 million to Genesis Global Capital, the lending arm of Genesis. The loan due in May 2023 was used to fund investment opportunities and repurchase stock from non-employee shareholders. The loan was reportedly issued after Digital Currency Group took over Genesis' exposure from the Three Arrows Capital default. Back in July, Genesis Global Trading CEO Michael Morrow said Bankrupt 3AC was the large counterparty that failed to meet a large margin call. Subsequently, in a series of tweets, Genesis revealed that it has worked with Digital Currency Group to continue to isolate risk. DCG has assumed certain liabilities of Genesis related to this counterparty to ensure we have the capital to operate and scale our business for the long term, Morrow said at the time. Gemini has now formed a creditors committee in a bid to recoup the funds from Genesis and its parent DCG. Is Genesis in trouble? In the wake of FTX's collapse, Genesis Global Trading announced that it is temporarily suspending redemptions and new loan originations. In a statement on Twitter, Genesis said that the abnormal withdrawal requests have exceeded its current liquidity. The company has also hired investment bank Moellis and Company to explore options, including a potential bankruptcy, the New York Times reported last month. Furthermore, Grayscale, a subsidiary of Digital Currency Group, has refused to share its proof of reserve, citing security concerns. The move has stirred up speculations about the financial health of the company. And indeed, we talked about this in last week's podcast. Despite all the evidence pointing to problems at DCG, Silver tried to reassure investors in his letter last month, claiming that most of the entities are operating as usual. He even said that they are on pace to generate $800 million in revenue this year on the back of just $25 million raised in primary capital since inception. DCG will continue to be a leading builder of the industry, and we're committed to our long-term mission of accelerating the development of a better financial system. We've weathered previous crypto winters, and while this one may feel more severe, collectively we will come out of it stronger, he said at the time. And I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, it doesn't look too good for them. Um, but if you're holding your Bitcoin in self-storage, uh, you probably don't really care what happens, you know, other than perhaps some short-term price reductions if there's another round of liquidations. Which could happen if uh, if uh, if Genesis uh, or D DCG ended up having to file for bankruptcy, but there are rumors that they're getting some capital together to shore it up. So uh, we shall see what happens with that. Next one uh, here is Coin Telegraph. Uh, this was updated uh, just a few hours ago. Bullish on Bitcoin, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz wants Texas to be a crypto oasis. United States Senator Ted Cruz wants to make the American state of Texas an oasis for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Speaking at the Texas Blockchain Summit 2022 in late November, the politician empathized with how the crypto industry can be strategic for the U.S. energy supply and technological development. Cruz argued that Bitcoin mining could be used to monetize energy created from oil and gas extraction rather than burning it, 
In addition, he emphasized how mining activity can be used as an energy storage and supply alternative. The beauty of it, Bitcoin mining, is when you've got substantial investment as we do in Texas and Bitcoin mining, when you have an extreme weather event, either extreme heat, which is frequent in the state of Texas, or extreme cold, which sometimes happens here. Bitcoin mining can be shut off in a fraction of a second, making that electricity immediately available to the grid to heat or cool people's homes to keep businesses running. That is an enormous reservoir of excess capacity that I think is very beneficial. The Senator highlighted that Texas combines abundant and relatively low-cost energy as well as embracing free enterprise, which makes Texas an attractive state for crypto industry development. In the U.S., Cruz also unveiled the reason why he described himself as an enthusiastic fan of Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin because the government can't control it. The Republican lawmaker admitted to purchasing Bitcoin weekly, the only cryptocurrency in his portfolio. He also noted I think Bitcoin means investment, it means opportunity, it means prosperity, it means financial independence. I also think the rise of Bitcoin mining in Texas has an enormous positive benefit for resiliency of the grid. Texas is one of the fastest growing crypto mining hubs in the United States. In August, its comptroller's office revealed the state's pro-crypto stance, intending to host long-term miners and operators in a newsletter. Clarifying the general misconception about Bitcoin's energy usage, the fiscal note highlighted that unlike manufacturing facilities or industrial chemical plants, which could be expected to be around for decades, cryptocurrency mining facilities do not place big electrical demands on the grid. Cointelegraph's team was on the ground at the Texas Blockchain Summit. Uh, so again, nice positive article and uh, totally agree with everything that's said in here. Um, uh, Bitcoin can certainly help uh, the energy grid, not only by um, providing financing for remote energy generation and also um, conversion of like flare gas to actual generated energy power, which can then mine Bitcoin. Um, but it can also, the miners can also be shut down quickly um, to return power to the grid. So, um, very good article. Uh, moving on here, Coindesk. So this is uh, <clears throat> an opinion piece by George Kaloudis. This was, looks like it was posted today. Uh, always enjoy uh, some of his takes. And so uh, this one here is a European Central Bank blog decries the end of Bitcoin and we aren't buying it. Plus, what happens when you go from Bitcoin only to not? As a Greek-American, I've been paying attention to the European Central Bank for too long. Imagine the scene. There's a teenager on the way to soccer practice absolutely in shambles because he just learned that Goldman Sachs brokered a cross-currency swap for Greece so that the latter could gain admission <clears throat> into the Eurozone. The teenager then systematically loses his mind after each austerity package is announced in the following months and years. That teenager was me. Next, imagine that a now adult person who writes about Bitcoin for a living reading an ECB blog post with the title, Bitcoin's Last Stand. The kid can't catch a break, but no need to imagine because this actually happened last Wednesday. It's critical to level set what the, that the published article doesn't represent an official position of the ECB. It's just a blog post on the ECB's official website. But because it's on the ECB's official website, it is flying under a banner of authority. As such, it is worth parsing through the main points brought up in the post. The post starts with an unsubstantiated, which was never substantiated later, 
point that Bitcoin's current price action is an artificially induced last gasp before the road to irrelevance. But what can be asserted without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence. So let's dismiss this point. The next section in the ECB post is titled, Bitcoin is rarely used for legal transactions. Unfortunately, the body of this section doesn't prove this point specifically, a shame really, because it isn't true, and instead focuses on how Bitcoin's value is based solely on speculation because A, it has no cash flow, like real estate, dividends, like equities, productivity, like commodities, or social benefits, like gold, and B, VCs are propping it up with $17.9 billion of investment in blockchain and crypto. <clears throat> On A, not all real estate generates cash flow. Google has never paid a dividend. People use Bitcoin so it is productive and there are clear social benefits to Bitcoin. On B, the idea that 17.9 billion of VC investment in blockchain and crypto is enough to sustain 300 billion of value to Bitcoin is frankly absurd. But I'll concede that point because VCs do have vaunted reputations so their involvement might in fact be propping up some of Bitcoin's market value. Point is, there's more than just speculation giving Bitcoin value, even if speculation is part of it. The last two sections in the ECB post are about how regulation can be misunderstood as approval complete with a tired jab about Bitcoin energy pollution and how promoting Bitcoin bears a reputational risk for banks. On the former point about regulation, I agree. Regulation could be misunderstood as approval and regulation has prompted the con conventional financial industry to make it easier for customers to access Bitcoin. And yes, maybe this ease has suggested to small investors that Bitcoin is a sound investment, even if some other investors don't think so. But that's exactly how markets work. Some people think something is worth buying and some people think something is worth selling. Just because you think something is worth selling doesn't mean that it isn't worth buying. As for authors, noting that the Bitcoin system <clears throat> is an unprecedented polluter, I will point you to some of the many articles and reports about this in particular. Here, 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 and here, and he has links. And by the way, I'll put all these articles uh, in the show notes so you can take a look at them yourself when you have time. But just for the sake of a semantic argument, which are bad arguments, the energy sector is really the only unprecedented polluter given it's, it's the biggest. <clears throat> On the latter, Banks have enough reputational risk on their own. Two examples. HSBC was fined $1.9 billion in 2012 for laundering money for drug cartels. By the way, HSBC still exists. Wells Fargo was fined $3 billion in 2020 for fraudulent sales practices, including opening accounts for people without their knowledge. By the way, Wells Fargo still exists. Sure, this doesn't mean there might not be reputational risk for banks associated with promoting Bitcoin, but surely there's a reputational merit outweighing this risk if Bitcoin works out and its customers make money. In summary, I think this blog post is just that, a short blog post that isn't meant to represent anything definitive. I look forward to a more thoughtful, wholesome report on Bitcoin's march to irrelevance by the ECB in the future. Meanwhile, <clears throat> in Bitcoin-only land, a firm called Casa added support for the Ethereum blockchain last week, and a cross-section of Bitcoiners were not happy about it. CASA enables customers to create digital vaults to store Bitcoin and Bitcoin only. 
think of it as a safe, but digital and specifically for Bitcoin. Now Casa is enabling customers to also store Ether, the native token of Ethereum. The reason this move kicked up dust with some Bitcoiners is because there's a shared ideal that Bitcoin-only businesses are the way and anything else is a divergence from that ideal and should be punished. A firm, company, or business moving from Bitcoin-only to not Bitcoin-only is perceived as a character flaw of the proprietors at best and an attack on Bitcoin at worst. Listen, I'm probably the last Coindesker who would talk to you about the viability of blockchains for anything except money without a centralized mint. And I'm also probably the last Coindesker who would tell you what you should do and how you should do it. But I think the view that Casa's move is somehow emblematic of the poor character of its founders or an attack on Bitcoin is patently absurd. Casa made a business decision. Customers wanted Ether vaults, so Casa sold them Ether vaults. If you don't want an Ether vault, you don't use an Ether vault. Casa still offers Bitcoin vaults, so use that or don't. Use a competitor product or create your own. Casa is not forcing customers to do anything. As with all my takes, this one will no doubt make me immensely popular, but in the words of CASA Chief Technology Officer Jameson Lopp, what makes you think I care? Uh, so anyway, interesting um, take on the uh, uh, ECB's blog post, which is garbage, and everybody was railing about it last week on Twitter. <clears throat> the CASA thing is interesting. I, you know, at the end of the day, the market's going to dictate, and uh, um Unchained Capital, who I use, may get some additional customers as a result of this if people only want to work with a Bitcoin-only company. Um, but it's, um, I don't know. I don't know how if I feel as strongly about that as some others do in the space. So, uh, Okay, moving on here to Bitcoin.com. Applied direct response ERCOT study shows Bitcoin mining is beneficial to the Texas grid. <coughs> ERCOT report says Texas mining, Bitcoin mining facilities can curtail operations and receive 1.7 gigawatts of energy this winter. The American organization that operates Texas's electrical grid, ERCOT, has published a study that shows Bitcoin mining operations are instrumental in direct response systems. The reports, researchers studied the installed generation capacity based on historical data and extreme peak load scenarios. The report indicates that Bitcoin mining operations are able to curtail their operations and re relieve roughly 1.7 gigawatts of energy during the Texas winter. Other systems that leverage large electrical loads are unable to adjust to direct response needs, but Bitcoin miners, on the other hand, are also known to shut down operations when they reach break-even price levels between Bitcoin spot price and the cost of production. This break-even cost was estimated $86 per megawatt hour and is based on the economics of an ant miner S19 Bitcoin mining rig as of early November, ERCOT study details. ERCOT is not the only grid operator that has been studying uh, direct response to systems as the second largest U.S. energy corporation, Duke Energy Corporation, was reportedly studying Bitcoin mining in July. Duke's lead analyst said that Bitcoin mining operations partnered with Duke in order to provide data for a Bitcoin demand response study. The same month, the Bitcoin mining infrastructure provider, Lancium, 
revealed how its operations in Texas can curtail load in DR situations. Lancium teamed up with the Texas battery storage provider Broadreach Power LLC, and when the grid is hit, with extreme situations, batteries keep Lancium's facility running without reducing its computational power. Besides heavy load times and extreme weather events, Bitcoin miners provide a reliable stream of revenue to the grid's operators because they are constantly running in search of Bitcoins. ERCOT's study shows that even with Bitcoin miners leveraging electrical resources, the grid operators believe there will be a sufficient amount of energy this winter. <clears throat> Assuming that the ERCOT region experiences typical winter grid conditions, ERCOT anticipates there will be sufficient installed generating capacity available to serve the system-wide forecasted peak demand for the upcoming winter season, December 2022, February to 2023, the report notes. The news follows U.S. legislators pressing ERCOT officials for information concerning Bitcoin mining operations. The politicians think that Bitcoin mining affects so-called climate change, and they think Bitcoin miners could possibly destabilize the Texas grid. ERCOT's new CEO told the press that what ERCOT wants to be able to serve any business that wants to do business in Texas, and that includes crypto miners. A report from ERCOT shows that politicians are arguably wrong about their grid destabilization predictions as Bitcoin mining facilities may be the only type of operation that can act on DR situations in a matter of no time at all. Uh, so again, um, something that we've talked about before, that Bitcoin mining provides a certain amount of resiliency to the grid. It's a constant source of demand, but it can also pull back when, when demand is needed elsewhere. And it can also make, um, it actually lowers carbon by, instead of flaring gas, you can use that gas to drive generators that do produce pollution, but way less than burning the gas uh, to, to um, operate Bitcoin miners. So uh, there's a lot of people are even saying that they, they can sort of see energy companies and Bitcoin mining companies sort of merging together their operations um, at some point in the future, because there's just a tremendous amount of synergy there. And, what a better place to do that than in Texas. Um, okay, and then uh, we'll finish up here with the future of Bitcoin and fiat. So I thought this week I would dive into what the current global reserve currency situation looks like and how Bitcoin could fit into that future. <clears throat> Understanding that as George Gammon, who I've listened to a lot lately, likes to say, there are no certainties only probabilities. So I included in the post, and I'll include a link um, in the show notes, um, a nice table that um, I got out of Visual Capitalist that uh, shows the relative dominance of world currencies since 1900. So back in 1900, the pound sterling, um, the British currency, uh, accounted for 62% <clears throat> of um, global reserve currency dominance. Um, so it was definitely dominant. Uh, the next closest was French franc at 17.5% and then the Deutsche Mark at 14.7%. Uh, then you kind of fast forward to, and so you look over time, it slowly declined the, the, the pound sterling's dominance until today where it's 4.7%. So it's come down a lot. Uh, and the dollar now is at 
um, as of 2020. Um, and then the, the only real competition is the Euro at 21.2%. So over the span of time, there's been lots of lead changes, so to speak. You know, the Deutschmark disappeared, um, obviously in 1920, after 19, you know, after <clears throat> um, World War II, and then didn't really reappear until the 80s, and then, and then went away with the Euro, and same thing with the French franc. Uh, it basically isn't really a reserve currency anymore either because it's the euro now. So the infrastructure underneath the current global uh, reserve system, it, uh, sorry, uh, under the current global reserve currency dollar-based system includes many forms of dollar-based instruments, including cash and bank accounts, money market funds, U.S. Treasury bills, U.S. Treasury notes, U.S. Treasury bonds, U.S. real estate, also stocks of U.S. companies, to name a few. Because of its massive network effect, the dollar demand for settling international payments is very large and global, and therefore the demand for dollars and dollar-based investments is deep. In past posts, I've talked about you know, the massive and growing amount of global sovereign debt and how that's a ticking time bomb for fiat currencies since there's no way out besides inflating the currency or defaulting on the debt. And this is why Brent Johnson of Santiago Capital developed his dollar milkshake theory, which says that in the long run, all other currencies will collapse into the dollar as the dollar continues to strengthen and the dollar will be the last currency to collapse before being replaced by one or more new global reserves. Brent has been very clear that the ultimate result is a collapse of the dollar, but the timeline could be very long. And of course, he favors holding gold as a hedge against the ultimate outcome. And while I agree gold is good, I also think Bitcoin is an important hedge and, and better than in many ways than gold, as I've talked about numerous times. The dollar strengthening will not be straight line. There's going to be lots of volatility along the way. And I put in a chart of the DXY index, um, which is basically trending from you know lower left to the upper right uh, with lots of twists and turns in between. <clears throat> and um, you know, so over the past five years, although there's been periods of weakness, the dollar and again, it's expressed by the DXY index, has strengthened relative to other currencies significantly. Strong dollar has been a problem for investors, since with higher interest rates, which have helped drive the dollar higher, there's less of an incentive to invest in risky assets. So why would you earn 4% in real estate or stocks paying 2 or 3% dividends with further bear market downside risk when you can earn the same amount on a three-month treasury bill with no risk of getting your principal back? Also, the strong dollar has suppressed the price of gold, silver, and I think to some extent Bitcoin, although Bitcoin has suffered mostly from events occurring in the crypto industry as exchanges and lenders collapse and leverage unwinds, um, which I have been talking about quite a bit here on the podcast lately. As the Fed has hinted, they will slow down the rate at which they're hiking interest rates starting in December. The dollar weakened and this has caused a rally in risk assets, gold, silver, and even Bitcoin. <clears throat> this up and down and sideways volatility seems likely to continue for some time until there's a meaningful change in Fed policy, which won't likely happen, in my opinion, until next year, presumably in reaction to real data about a recession, which means elevated unemployment, 
that we're not seeing yet. Looking ahead to the future, what are some possibilities for how Bitcoin fits into the future global financial system as the dollar milkshake theory continues to play out? Uh, so let's break it down. Store value. So for most of the folks in the Bitcoin community, this is a done deal. And they're able to look past the short-term volatility of Bitcoin price action and see that over time, Bitcoin demand driven by network effect and its absolute scarcity of supply helped by global monetary debasement, um, also known as money printing, has driven the price of Bitcoin higher in fiat currency terms. For many people, however, Bitcoin is not viewed as a store of value, but more of a speculation akin to a technology stock. And in, indeed, the price action over time has tended to mirror the NASDAQ index performance. This will have to change in order for Bitcoin to be widely accepted as a store of value similar to gold. But in my opinion, Bitcoin should be able to clear this hurdle in the next few years. Unit of account. So the next level is unit of account or pricing in terms of Bitcoin. We are further off from this, in my opinion, since everything we buy today is denominated in fiat currency terms. As fiat currencies collapse, however, more things will be denominated in the remaining currencies, eventually only the dollar. But I do think that there will be more goods priced in Bitcoin or SATs. Um, but that will move much more slowly until or if global reserve currency status is achieved. Next is medium of exchange. So <clears throat> the final level of evolution is as a money is medium of exchange. And we're actually further along in this area than unit of account, mostly due to the development of the Lightning Network. So the Lightning Network allows you to pay in fiat currency terms, dollar to dollar, euro to euro dollar to euro or your choice using the Bitcoin network and final settlement as the payment rail. This has tremendous potential for accelerating Bitcoin adoption as the Lightning Network technology matures and gets built out further. Since payments on Lightning are very low cost, fast and have enhanced privacy versus on-chain transactions. And finally, there's global reserve currency. So. One scenario espoused by the Bitcoin maximalists is that Bitcoin will become the global reserve currency. In order for this to happen, Bitcoin will have to have more of its second and probably third layer of the network built out for that to happen. This is to basically ensure that we have a robust system equal to or better than the dollar-based system to handle the volume, trading, payment, borrowing, lending, and investment needs of the entire global community. Most importantly, network adoption has to continue strongly, and this is critical. One of the challenges that Bitcoin will face is that governments really like to be in control of their own currency, so they will do everything to keep that privilege. Even if their currency collapses totally, they will just come up with a new version and it will start over until that one collapses again and the cycle continues. Capital controls will keep citizens' money from fleeing to other stronger currencies. Gold, silver, or even Bitcoin ownership could be outlawed. Good luck in enforcing physical holders, though. This is what history teaches us. Most people will go along with that unless they understand that they can protect themselves by owning Bitcoin as a store of value, and they can also use it as a medium of exchange if they need to buy things and their currency is worthless. <clears throat> this is a bit harder for people holding physical gold or silver, unless you're transacting in person with coins of the correct denomination for goods and services. 
One other criticism of Bitcoin is that with a fixed supply, there isn't the ability to add liquidity or monetary units to expand credit and lending over time to generate economic growth. One argument is that because Bitcoin is so valuable, individuals or companies will only lend it out to carefully vetted opportunities and will demand an appropriate return on that capital, which would, in theory, reduce the amount of malinvestment we see in the fiat boom cycle that ultimately washes out when the bust comes. The other side of the argument is that it will stymie growth, which is a reasonable assertion, and economic growth is essential for human prosperity. The other problem is more of one of human nature, which I have struggled to wrap my head around lately, especially looking at how things actually are in the world. On the one hand, when you interact with Bitcoin, you do tend to change how you view things in the world. And many of the early adopters are like-minded individuals that prefer to align themselves with hard work, truth, transparency, sound money, and generally libertarian ideals. The question is, can Bitcoin change human behavior <coughs> such that the human desires such as greed, control, and corruption melt away? I want to believe that's possible, but unfortunately, millennia of human history point to the same outcome. Paper Bitcoin can and will be created, even if it is the base of the monetary system, and that will allow for borrowing, rehypothecation, or speculation, or investing in bad deals. All you have to do is look at the balance sheet for Alameda Research, on which they had $1.9 billion of Bitcoin liabilities and no actual Bitcoin. And I put in a <clears throat> infographic from Visual Capitalist. <coughs> the scale of the FTX debacle, which has eclipsed Enron, is stunning. And yet, human nature being what it is seems likely to happen again in the future. Of course, on a bigger and more unprecedented scale. This will be regardless of whatever laws are passed and regulatory changes are made in the wake of the FTX collapse. When the dust settles on this, it's my unfortunate conclusion that you can't change human nature and you will continue to see money drawn into the crypto space. The main reasons are speculation, casino-like returns for individuals and hedge funds, yield, and perhaps most importantly, payment alternatives. Even if Bitcoin was mandatory for payment settlement, ultimately the market decides what is or will be used. If the market prefers Tether, despite the risk that it may not be fully backed, or other stable coins, or even Ethereum, other altcoins as a means of payment, nothing is going to stop that unless Bitcoin Lightning is a lot better, probably 10 times better. I think it could be, but only time will tell. As such, I think the most Likely scenario unfolding over the next few years is as follows. Bitcoin store of use case will store value use case will continue to expand as it's likely to become more apparent to more people, digital gold thesis, <clears throat> as network effects grow and the average investor is able to tolerate the volatility, volatility declines with adoption and investors can develop buy and hold discipline. Bitcoin's portability and the ability to have money stored outside the system is a huge feature. Bitcoin's medium of exchange use case will expand rapidly as Lightning Network is developed, and this will facilitate commerce independent of unit of account securely at a low cost and while providing, preserving privacy. 
there will be a competition in the form of stable coins, altcoins, and even central bank currencies, but ultimately the market will decide what works best for moving payments around. I think this is the most exciting area right now, and I will be watching it carefully. Bitcoin's unit of account case will be slow, but will gain adoption initially in the Bitcoin community as an ecosystem of goods and services is built around pricing and SATs. Obviously, it will happen quickly if global reserve currency status is achieved. Global reserve currency seems low probability where we sit here today, but Bitcoin certainly has a good, as good a chance as gold in a post-fiat collapse, sound money environment, as a monetary base. <clears throat> There's certainly the potential to have multiple reserve currencies in the future and also multiple ways to back <coughs> those currencies with hard assets <clears throat> such as commodities, including Bitcoin, gold, silver, oil, etc. The harder governments try to regulate money in the digital age, like with central bank digital currencies, which are a horrible idea, the more exits will be created and Bitcoin is by far the best in terms of the alternatives. But there will be alternatives. Thousands of years of human history says so. Uh, so thanks for hanging in there with me um, and appreciate you listening to the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And you can follow my substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at McRikert. I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.